0: telling people your backstory I think gave me confidence because then as I was telling my story I was like oh my god I did do this I did create a career I did have a great life in England sometimes you have to listen to yourself tell your story to someone else to realize hey I actually have done some amazing things and I can do really hard things too and that gave me the confidence to keep going I'll have have what what she's had. To another edition of
1: She Talks Confidence
0: Podcast.
1: So welcome back. This is the She Talks Confidence Podcast. The she joining me today is none other than my very good, longtime friend Jenny Rowe. Hi Jenny, how are you? Hi. Great. I'm so glad great to great finally. To Finally get you on. I mean, really, Jenny's been the, her and her husband, Dave, have been the ones that have created my websites for me, that have that's tried to get me to figure out how to post my podcasts. And so they've seen my journey for the past, what, eight years or something. It's just been, you know, and of course now we're doing it all over again. We are. <laughs> I brought Jenny on because she has a really amazing story. She started off, I was born in Virginia, but then right away, right, it was like when you were like really mm-hmm. small, right? You yeah. moved to Argentina. So now she's in South America and then she was raised in Argentina. Then at 18, she goes to England. And then you. when you guys were, what year did you guys come back to here?
0: So we came back in 2006.
1: So U.S., South America, Europe, back to the U.S. In that time, and we had a really good discussion a couple of days ago when I was over there talking about the website stuff, but I found it fascinating that how somebody could bounce and be a complete fish out of water, not just locational like you move from LA to Chicago, but totally different cultures, totally different countries, different continents. How you managed to navigate through that and when you did have sort of crises of confidence, what did you do and what did you fall back on to keep you going through all that?
0: When I left Argentina at 18, I left because I finished high school. I had no clue what to do. I wasn't one of those people who grew up thinking, this is what I want to be. And off you go and do that. And when my parents said, Hey, do you want to go to England and take a year out and decide what you want to do? I was like, okay, I'll do that. So off I go. And when I get to England, I'm actually, I was extremely ill when I first got to England. I actually got salmonella poison on the plane over.
1: Oh, no. I went to, okay. Yes.
0: Yeah, I did. So I was very, very ill to begin with. And then I moved in with a really lovely family that had four kids and I was their nanny and I lived with them. And hmm. And I think whenever I had doubts or wherever I didn't have confidence, I think I kind of like took a step back and thought, well, my mum did this. Back in the 70s, when Mm. moving countries was huge, when my mum left England to marry my dad in Argentina, I think she was probably like, I'm never going to see my parents again. And I always kind of think of my mum doing that journey completely on her own and landing in a country where she didn't know anyone, didn't speak the language, Mm. and somehow she flourished and created a life there. She still lives in Argentina all these years later.
1: When you left Argentina, how good was your English and was it an impediment when you first got to England?
0: My English was pretty good because my mom taught me English before I spoke Spanish. So I had a pretty good English base, but I still was that fish out of water because I had grown up in a very small town in my teenage years.
1: What was the biggest cultural shock between those two places as soon as you landed and you started having to assimilate?
0: Girls will laugh. I think part of it was dress code, what mm-hmm. I would wear. Because I remember when I lived in Argentina, I lived in a mountain town, and I remember as a teenager, my dad was very particular about what clothes we bought and what shoes we bought. And I was like, I really wanted a pair of hash puppy boots, which mm-hmm. work great mm-hmm. in. Argentina, because that's where I lived. And we went hiking and stuff like that. And so I land in England with hush puppy boots. And I remember this girl inviting me to go to the pub and I get dressed up in my hush puppy boots and thinking I look super cool. And then I walk in and everyone is completely different <laughs> dress style. And I was like, oh, okay. Did
1: you go in and say, oh my God, or did somebody point that out to you when you went in there?
0: No, I don't think anyone pointed it out. It was more like my observation was, this is is not what people dress up when they go out. This is not, you know, the girls were probably wearing mini skirts and
1: Uh sandals
0: and nice tops. And there I was in my jeans and hush puppies and Mm -hmm. God knows what else I was wearing at the time. So very quickly working out, okay, this is how people dress here. Okay, I need Mm -hmm. to go shopping. And I remember actually asking the family that I lived with to give me an advance on my pay so I could go shopping. (laughs) and buy
1: <laughs> some new, cl- some new shoes, Clearly, some new, right. some
0: new shoes and some new clothes. Yeah. But, but I think some of it as a teenager, when you're 18, I don't always think that when you're in teen, you realize the situation that you're in. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, so you just get on with it. You just do it. And when did that hit you I, then?
1: Because well, typically, you know, you go into your twenties, there's a little more introspection. There's a little more understanding kind of where you're at and where by that time, had you felt comfortable enough because you had simulated to that point or it Were there any barriers when you were into your 20s and then starting your professional career in some form or fashion?
0: I don't think I realized until much, much later because I'm with a family and I have to do this job. And then it was like, okay, that job finished. Now, if I want to stay in England, I have to find other work. So it was always something like, I have to do this or I have to do that. So I kind of really sat down and thought about it. And I think it was probably not until much later in my 20s that I looked back and I was like... Or even when we were thinking about moving here to the US, when people are like, oh my God, you're going to move to another country. And then I was like, well, I have done this before. Like, yeah, I, you know, I already did like, it, right? Yeah. I already did it. But at right. the time when I was young, you know, when I did it, also, I think I had, when I moved to England, it was always with the back of my mind that I was just going there for a year to see what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like I'm moving to a different country and never coming back. Mm-hmm. It was, I'm just going. Spending a year, see what's what, and then I'll decide what to do. Hmm. The decision in the end was to stay in England and not go back to Argentina. But I think when you go in with that kind of mind, you always, I think, you just have a different point of view because you're like, okay, well, if this doesn't work out, I'll just go back home, or if I'm done with my experience here, I'll go back home.
1: I think that raises a good point. The point is, is that perhaps maybe creating a perspective on something. That's more like, okay, well, I'm going to give it a shot and see what goes. And I think it creates more flexibility, more, more malleableness yes. to, to worry if something doesn't work out right or something, you don't cr- just crumble because of your expectations are so high. And that's a big thing, especially with the women that I've counseled and coached, the expectation thing is just killer because yes. they have these very high expectations, especially in big change situations. And it's impossible to meet those expectations. And then they just, it's so black and white, right? It's either meet all of these standards or crumble in disgrace. Yes. (laughs) Instead of look at it like, well, I'm going to give it a shot and see what goes and see what sticks and then kind of move and groove. So when you first started that and started like the professional workforce, what were some of the issues that you came across in terms of that?
0: Well, I think when I started my workforce, because I went to England and I had no idea what I was going to do, and I didn't plan on going to university or I did a bit of college, but basic stuff. When I actually got to work for the design agency, where I kind of like, I guess, started my career, I started as a receptionist. So I went in, I was like, okay, I need a job. This company had a job available. I really like the environment. And then very quickly, I realized, you know what, this is something that I, I love the environment. I love the creativity. And with time, I started doing... Extra work here, extra, and eventually that's how I got into sort of like you know marketing and that kind of thing. But because I didn't go to college, because I didn't have a degree, because I didn't study, there was a lot of paths where I was like, oh, I don't know if I can apply for this job because I don't have the education, or I've never done this before. This is completely new. And I think I was very lucky that I was surrounded with people who saw that I could do the job and that I was a quick learner. And one of the things that I realized about myself is I learned by doing things. I'm mm-hmm. not a, I guess, an academic, an academia mm-hmm. person. Like I, that's not how I learned by doing things. And there were times where I was like, okay, I don't belong here. Especially when all of a sudden, hey, you have to go meet a client and you're going to be running the meeting. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> me running the meeting, but I don't know anything about this. You know, there's, <laughs> there's all these <laughs> kind of like, oh, but in the end, you just go, okay, I can do this. That was sort of a You're baptism just, by
1: fire. They kind of threw it literally, you out
0: there. It literally was, yeah. So
1: was. would you say that that environment that you were in at the company was very open to men and women in leadership roles, responsibility or whatnot? Or did you run into any, any walls that were set up from systemic stuff or being from a different country or even being a woman coming into that? Did you find yeah. it a little more difficult to navigate?
0: I don't think it was more difficult to navigate. I think being in the creative industry, people tend to be more open anyway. There was still stuff, sort of macho stuff that would have happened, you know, because the bosses always tend to be, they were male, the owners of the company were male. And so sometimes you would come across some of these kind of things that happen in all businesses, or at least happened then in the 90s. So yeah, there was some things that I came across. That I was like, okay, this is uncomfortable. But for the most part, there was career progression. I was able to move up. I was able to step into other roles. But sometimes there was a little bit of a cultural issue. But England is also a very multicultural society. And there's people from lots of different countries. You have a lot of Europeans. So I think in England, I was lucky that I didn't come across any is of that. It, is it that big
1: of a difference between there and here?
0: Yes. In the US. So.
1: so all of a sudden you guys leave, right? You and you and Dave get on a plane, fly out. You're in Arizona. Yeah. You're starting from scratch, right? Yes. How do you do that? How did you go about grounding yourself in that circumstance? Again, a fish out of water in a brand new country.
0: Moving to the US was harder for me than moving to the UK, because I think mm-hmm. when you're 18, there's a lot of things you don't think about. And then when you're in your 30s, you're kind of, oh, I need to be more responsible. I need to make sure yeah. that this is happening. And I think when we moved here, we had decided that our life was going to be very, very different from the life that we lived in England. So Mm -hmm. that I think helped because we don't have the pressures of, you know, okay, we have to go and get a job right now. We were able to settle in and decide, okay, what do we want out of our life? And we decided Mm -hmm. that actually, we don't want to work for someone else. We want to create our own thing. Mm-hmm. But then once you decide to create your own thing, you're like, okay, well, how's that going to work? How am I going to meet people? How am I going to meet clients? How am I going to market myself? And so that was a whole new thing. And uh, quickly, I realized that networking was the way to do it. I had done no networking in England, because that's not what I had to do, because I, ha- I was employed. So I didn't really do a lot of networking. So I quickly realized, okay, that's what I need to do. And yes, I remember attending networking and there were mainly women-based networking groups. And I remember sitting at tables and talking to people and suddenly realized that I don't get any of this or this is not, you know, I didn't have those experiences. And I think the hardest thing about moving into a new country is you don't have those shared experiences. Mm. When you grow up, people will talk about, oh, remember that show or remember this person. Yeah, no, I don't know who that is. I don't know that show. So you miss a lot of that kind of context.
1: Um, so how was you, how was your confidence at that time and what did you do to get that thing up and running?
0: I would say it was probably low, mainly because I think sometimes you doubt yourself like, okay, I'm doing this. I know I can do, like your mind knows that you can do it, but your heart sometimes doesn't. Your heart's like what are you doing? Right. Why don't you just go and get a job and then you're fine. And then you don't have to worry about it. And you don't have to do this networking and you don't have yeah, to do that, old e- that old ego, that old ego voice. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I think what happened was the more I got out there and the more I started talking to people and then connected with one or two different people that were on my, the same level or had maybe had experiences of moving away, even if it was moving from another state to Arizona, which there's a lot of people who do, <laughs> Yeah. there yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I find some kind of things in common and some people that I could share sort of what was going on. But I think also at the same time, and I, you know, I think that accent works. I know this is like very cliche.
1: But oh no, it's true. Different... I, I think, I, I think we all know that on some level.
0: <laughs> so, so when on day I realized I was like, Oh, well, I should just use the accent. As soon as people kind of hear your accent, they're like, Oh my God, I can hear you speak for hours and hours. And you know me, you and I have been in rooms and we've talked and then I suddenly go, oh my God, I've been talking online. Tony hasn't said a word. Right. Um, That's you know, okay. So. I,
1: I don't mind. <laughs> I really don't. Give me a break, right? Yeah.
0: So so I think I kind of realized that people like to hear what your story is and your background and especially here in the US, people haven't necessarily had those experiences. Oh my God, you left when you were 18 and you did this and now you're here and like, why? Telling people your backstory, I think gave me confidence because then as I was telling my story I was like oh my god I did do this I did create a career I did have a great life in England sometimes you have to listen to yourself tell your story to someone else to realize hey I actually have done some amazing things and I can do really hard things too and that gave me the confidence to keep going
1: you know, usually I I save to the end of the show for somebody to give like a call to action or some little tidbit or something to do. That's gold right there. The tool or technique to tell your story, to express your origin story. And interestingly enough, you did that and because it was so different. I mean, initially your issue was, I don't have shared experiences, right? This is the kind of in your head thing, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. I don't have any shared experiences. This might be hard to get myself in there to start some sort of a relationship with these people. And then all of a sudden you realize you're sitting on gold because it's such a different origin story than most people that you're around. All of a sudden you start rolling into it and you know, of course, vocally, the accent kicks in and then people are gonna automatically hear that and they're like, whoa, okay, hold on a second. And then that will feed into it. And if you're ready for that, right, like you were, then that creates the relationship because it's a unique aspect to the origin story. Did you understand that? Or was it sort of a trial and error at the time?
0: I don't think I understood it. I think by nature, I'm a chatty person. I like to connect with people. I like to meet people. I am probably more of an extrovert. And so I like to hear people's stories. So I think Mm -hmm. to begin with, I didn't really think about it that way. And I think with a lot of things in my life, I realized that I don't really think about it. Those things when I'm doing it, it either comes naturally or I'm forced into the position where I have to then go, okay, you know, dig deep and do this. And I've also had people push me into situations where I think they can see something in me that I'm not seeing at the time. So they're pushing me into this situation and going, you could, you know, do this. And then I do it. I'm like, oh, yeah.
1: When somebody says that and challenges you to grow and to expand and to do something different and the fear comes in, what do you do to? negate that fear and to take that next step
0: if someone gave me an opportunity i felt like it's rude not to take that opportunity on like Mm -hmm. they they're giving me this opportunity i should give it a go and see if it fits um and i think also i i am one of these people who likes to do things that I've never done before. I'll take the big jumps if you, I do like big challenges, especially Mm. ones that need figuring out and need a solution and there isn't one or you can't find one. That drives me, that excites me to do something. So even though there's that fear in it, I think the excitement of doing something new pushes me forward.
1: First of all, congratulations, you have an amazing gift because (laughs) there are so (laughs) many people, that's when they freeze. It's just when they reach that and they hit the wall. And they, do, and they just don't want to fail or they don't want to put themselves out like an imposter syndrome thing where they'll get found out that they don't know what they're talking about, which is completely ridiculous, but a lot of people have that in their yeah. mind. What can you say that anybody that has a problem with that can put it on like a loop and just listen to it over and over and over when they do come across that or when they are challenged or when they do get to a point where it's a big thing, it's a new endeavor, what's the mindset? How do you put yourself in the right mindset to go forward on that?
0: Looking back, I would say, think about what would it feel if you didn't do it and you didn't have that experience.
1: Mm -hmm. Because I
0: I think that you can always go, oh, I had this experience and I didn't like it or I didn't enjoy it or it wasn't for me. The worst thing for me is knowing that you could have done something and you didn't do it and then wishing that you had we all have experience and some of them are better than others. And there are some things that I have done. And I was like, you know what? Actually, that wasn't for me. I have experienced the imposter syndrome, you know, very recently. In fact, I mean, was during the pandemic, I joined the networking group and I completely fell like fish out of water. And I've been in business for 17 years, so I shouldn't have, but there was something about me that had this imposter syndrome. I was around women that I thought were way better than I was. And I somehow just could not get past, I'm in the wrong room. And then the end, I left because this is too much. I'm stressing out. So I think sometimes it's like, hey, I tried it because I was. I knew when I was walking in that this was something completely different, something that I hadn't done before. I would be around people that I hadn't been around. And I learned a ton from the people that I met. But at the same time, that imposter syndrome, I just could not get over it.
1: What was different in that situation than before? With all the, all the stuff that you've done know, before this, which is way more... Then being in a, a networking group. Not to disparage the yes. networking group, right? But still, no, no, because it was amazing. I, so, I think that, yeah, so. What the what? Then I mean, I, what, do you, think, what I, do you think it was? I think
0: thinking about it, I think it was because it was during the pandemic and it was everything was on Zoom, and I think that I just couldn't make those connections
1: mm. the way
0: that you do when you're in person.
1: That's an interesting take on that, actually.
0: Yeah, I never, I, I
1: really the, I, never thought about that.
0: No, and I hadn't really thought about it. And I was like, I was thinking, about what was it? that And the more I thought about it, because I was like, okay, I never want to back down and leave something when I'm feeling uncomfortable yeah. for the most right. part. And I was like, what is it? And I couldn't get, I couldn't figure it out because I talked to friends about it. And my friend was like, oh my God, you deserve to be in that room. You're totally right for that room of people. But I don't feel it. Something's not right. And so in the end, for my sanity, I'm stepping away. And now looking back on it, I think it was because those connections that you make When you meet someone in person, yeah, are very different from the connections that you have when we are screen to screen. Very much. I don't think you can connect.
1: Yeah, you could use your superpower of your connection, your energy that from a face to face with the people on the other side. Did you feel as though you weren't reaching them like you usually do? Probably, yeah. And you tried everything, and it still wasn't working. So you're like, I'm out. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I just realized this wasn't the right time for me to be involved in something like that. That's probably the first time that I've really, really felt like I couldn't, my confidence was just not good enough Mm -hmm. to be in that room. Mm -hmm. And it was nothing to do with the people in the room. It was nothing to do with the with the networking company or the networking group or what they were doing, because actually I loved what they were doing. It was something to do with me and I just couldn't get past it. Sometimes you don't get past it and you have to go, okay, it's Mm -hmm. not for me. And,
1: you know, and take a step back and and regroup. That brings up an amazing point, and I'll, I'll end the show with this. Women, you have an extra gear in terms of empathy and, and connection and energy and sensing energy and all that emotional aspect of it. I mean, some guys do, but overall is what I'm saying. It, it's the women's intuition thing. It's a thing. It's real, and it's and we don't have it, and I wish I did. No, I don't. And I think that it seems to me like what you just described was something where that wasn't happening with you at that point in that particular scenario, even with all the success you had, even with all the experiences that you've had that were, if you look at it on a scale that were way higher in terms of intensity or matters. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but it got, but that particular situation, not only were you not connecting, you weren't, understanding why you weren't connecting then you were beating yourself up because you weren't connecting and so it's almost like you were hitting yourself with two hammers and then you and then you took a step back i think it brings up the two things the first thing is is that you gotta listen to your gut you gotta listen to your intuition it is the strongest force i think it's women's truths is in the intuition the second thing is there's nothing wrong with taking a step back there's nothing wrong with epically failing in some particular circumstance yeah Taking a step back, learning from that, and then moving forward—that's a huge lesson in all of this. Because the women that I've worked with, a lot of their mentality is linear. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead, forward, 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 and then you hit a wall, and then it's devastation. Instead of that, it's kind of an ebb and flow, and it's hit your spots, come back. If you can't expand for some reason, come back and learn, and go through that process, and then move forward yeah. after making adjustments or understanding more about yourself. That's why I think that's a huge point.
0: I think it is. I think for us women is if there's something you want to do, just do it. Even if you fail, because not only, and people say this all the time, oh, you know, you want to fail because you learn and all of they think. But also, I think it it, it gives you that, hey, I tried it, I did it. And it also gives you the ability to go, yes, that's for me or no, that's not for me. And mm-hmm. that's okay if it's not for you. Like
1: mm-hmm. that's, And you don't know, you know until you do it. You, and don't you don't know. know until you
0: do, exactly. You don't know until you do right. it. And then at least you won't regret not doing it or go or look back a few years later and go, oh my God, I wish that I had done that at that point in time. A lot of the times it's like, why didn't I do that beforehand? Like, why did right. I wait so long to do this?
1: Right. So, Instead of, yeah. oh, why did I do that? Right. It's why did I wait yeah. to do that? That's that's great. Cause you just took care of the last part of the show for me. You just recalled <laughs> the whole point. And then, you know, we're, that's the the, the tool that, that anybody can take and move forward and go from there. Thanks, Gina. I really appreciate it. I'm really glad to finally get you on the show. I know, well, thank you for having me. Oh, not a problem. And and again, I Dave didn't have to leave. I know that I actually had to go to the vet, but he didn't have to leave. I mean, he could have. No, that's true. Enough, <laughs> yes, yeah, I was just kidding when I said you know. Next close time, set, <laughs> Close set, right? Yeah. Can you give your information if anybody wants to get a hold of you and describe a little bit about DGR and then your contact information? And I will put that up in the show notes for the
0: record. I'm on Instagram at Ginny Rowe, and then yeah, our company is DGR Communications. We help small businesses with branding and marketing strategies, as well as website development. And I think one of the biggest things that I like to do is help small businesses and even help business owners support each other. Because I think one of the things that we didn't touch on, but I learned coming to a new country and not knowing anyone is I wish I had more mentors or people who would step up and Mm -hmm. go, let me show you how to do things. That's a passion of mine is if I can help a new business owner get set up or just Bounce ideas off or that kind of thing. I just love that. So, if anyone out there wants a little bit of input or feedback, I'm always happy to be assigned in board for things. And so
1: that's you, such a huge give and a huge asset. That's fantastic. And then, and I will put your information up on both the YouTube and all the other platforms. So, thanks, Jenny. Appreciate it again. If there's Thank any you. questions or concerns, everybody knows how to get a hold of me. Just Tony at javabud.com. It won't be javabud for that much longer we're working on that right now are we not yeah we are yeah
0: we are. <laughs> that's gonna change very soon
1: <laughs> oh, oh i hope so right i know, I know i'm kind of dragging but we'll make it happen thanks jenny i will talk to you later and Thank i will talk Peter. to you next week bye